I received a special gift last Christmas that brought with it many memories. My niece gave it to me. It's among the things I had left in our old family home when I moved out after I was married. The gift is this little brown book I hold in my hand. It is a book that was given to the LDS servicemen who entered the armed forces during World War II. I personally view this book as a gift from President Heber J. Grant, his counselors J. Reuben Clark, Jr., and David O. McKay. In the front of the book, these three prophets wrote, The incidents of the armed forces do not permit our keeping in constant personal touch with you, either directly or by personal representation. Our next best course is to put in your hands such portions of the modern revelations and explanations of the principles of the gospel as shall bring to you, wherever you may be, renewed hope and faith, and likewise comfort, consolation, and peace of spirit. Today we find ourselves in another war. This is not a war of armaments. It is a war of words, deeds, and thought, and more than ever, we need to be reminded of the commandments. Secularism is beginning to be the norm, and many of its beliefs and practices are in direct conflict with those instituted by the Lord Himself for the benefit of His children. In this little brown book, immediately after the letter from the First Presidency, is a preparatory note to the men in service entitled, Obedience to Law is Liberty. The note draws a parallel between military law, which are for the good of the men in service, and divine law. It states, In the universe, too, where God is in command, there is law, universal, eternal law, with certain blessings and immutable penalties. The final words of the note focus on God's obedience to God's law. If you wish to return to your loved ones with your head erect, if you would be a man and live abundantly, then observe God's law. In so doing, you can add to these priceless freedoms which you are struggling to preserve another on which others may well depend—freedom from sin. For truly, obedience to law is liberty. Why did the phrase, obedience to law is liberty, ring so true to me at that time? Why does it ring true to all of us now? Perhaps it is because we have a revealed knowledge of our pre-mortal history. We recognize that when God, the Eternal Father, presented His plan to us at the beginning of time, Satan wanted to alter the plan. He said he would redeem all mankind. Not one soul would be lost, and Satan was confident that he could deliver on his proposal. But there was an unacceptable cost—the destruction of man's agency, which was, 
which and is a gift given by God. About this gift, President Harold B. Lee said, Next to life itself, free agency is God's greatest gift to mankind. When then it was a small, no small thing for Satan to disregard man's agency. In fact, it became the principal issue over which the war in heaven was fought. Victory in the war in heaven was a victory for man's agency. Satan, however, was not done. His backup plan, the plan he has been executing since the time of Adam and Eve, was to tempt men and women essentially to prove that we are undeserving of God's given gift of agency. Satan has many reasons for what he does. Perhaps the most powerful is the motive of revenge. But he also wants to make men and women miserable like he is miserable. None of us should ever underestimate how driven Satan is to succeed. His role in God's eternal plan creates opposition in all things and tests our agency. Each choice you and I make is a test of our agency, whether we choose to be obedient or disobedient to the commandments of God is actually a choice between liberty and eternal life and captivity and death. This fundamental doctrine is clearly taught in 2 Nephi, the second chapter. Wherefore men are free according to the flesh, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. And they are free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator, mediator of all men or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. For he seeketh that all men might be miserable like unto himself. In many respects, this world has always been at war. I believe when the First Presidency sent me this little brown book, they were more concerned about the greater war than World War II. I also believe they hoped the book would be a shield of faith against Satan and his armies in this greater war the war against sin, and serve as a reminder to me to live the commandments of God. In one way to measure ourselves and compare us to previous generations is by the standard, the oldest standard known to man, the Ten Commandments. For much of the civilized world, particularly the Judeo-Christian world, the Ten Commandments have been the most acceptable and enduring delineation between good and evil. In my judgment, four of the Ten Commandments are taken as seriously today as ever. As a culture, we disdain and condemn murder, stealing, and lying, and we still believe in the responsibility of children to their parents. But as a larger society, we routinely dismiss the other six commandments. If worldly priorities are in indication, we certainly have other gods we put before the true God. We make idols of celebrities and lifestyle, of wealth, and yes, 
sometimes even graven images or objects. We use the name of God in all kinds of profane ways, including our exclamations and our swearing. We use the Sabbath day for our biggest games, our most serious recreation, our heaviest shopping, and virtually everything else but worship. We treat sexual relations outside marriage as a recreation, an entertainment, and coveting has become a far too common way of life. Prophets from all dispensations have consistently warned against two of the most serious commandments, the ones regarding murder and adultery. I see a common basis for these two critical commandments, the belief that life itself is a prerogative of God and our physical bodies, the temples of mortal life, should be created within the bounds God has set. For man to substitute his own rules for the laws of God on either end of life is the height of presumption and the depth of sin. The main effect of these depreciating attitudes about the sanctity of marriage are the consequences to families. The strengthening of families is deteriorating at an alarming rate. This deterioration is causing widespread damage to society. I see a direct cause and effect as we give up commitments and fidelity to our marriage partners. We remove the glue that holds our society together. A useful way to think about the commandments is they are loving counsel from an all-wise Heavenly Father. His goal is our eternal happiness, and His commandments are roadmap He has given us to return to Him, which is the only way we will be eternally happy. How significant is the home and the family to our eternal happiness? On page 114 of my little brown book, it states, Indeed, our heaven is little more than a projection of our eternal, of our homes in eternity. The doctrine of the family and the home was recently reiterated in a great, with great clarity and forcefulness in the proclamation, the family, a proclamation to the world. It declared the eternal nature of the family and then explained the connection to temple worship. The proclamation also declared the law upon which eternal happiness of families is predicated, namely, the sacred powers of procreation are employed only between a man and a woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife. God reveals to His prophets that there are moral absolutes. Sin will always be sin. Disobedience to the Lord's commandments will always deprive us of His blessings. The world changes constantly and dramatically, but God, His commandments, and promised blessings do not change. They're immutable, unchanging. Men and women receive their agency as a gift from God, but their liberty, in turn their eternal happiness, comes from obedience to His law. 
as Alma counseled his errant son, Corianton, wickedness never was happiness. In this day of the restoration of the fullness of the gospel, the Lord has again revealed to us the blessings promised us by being obedient to His commandments. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 130, we read, There is a law irrevocably decreed in the heavens before the foundation of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Surely there could not be any doctrine more strongly expressed in the scriptures than the unchanging commandments and their connection to our happiness and well-being as individuals, as families, and as a society. These are moral absolutes. Disobedience to the Lord's commandments will always deprive us of His blessings. These things do not change. In a world where the moral compass of society is faltering, the restored gospel of Jesus Christ never wavers, nor should its stakes and wards, its families, nor its individual members. We must not pick and choose which commandments we think are important, important to keep, but acknowledge all of God's commandments. We must stand firm and steadfast, having a perfect confidence in the Lord's consistency and perfect trust in His promises. May we be a light on the hill, an example in keeping the commandments that never change and will never change. Just as this small book encouraged LDS servicemen to stand morally firm in times of war, may we in this latter day be a beacon to the whole earth and particularly to God's children who are seeking the Lord's blessings. Of this I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.